The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, happy new Premier League season. With a new top flight campaign ready to begin, we've got one hour to preview the lot. Let's hope we don't blow it on actually Young Stats, chat about Banana Rama and what was number one last time Luton played Brighton in the top flight. Mm. From the high for Luton to the Luton, it is our Rootin' Tootin' season preview on the Totally Football Show. Uh, hey, listener, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thursday, 10th of August for us here in the Totally Football Show studio. Happy new Premier League season, everybody. Woohoo! Woo! There you go. Uh, Duncan Alexander's here. All right, Duncan. Hello. Nice to see you. Adrian Clark is back as well. Adrian. Hi. Hello, yeah, Adrian. Exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 100%. 100%. Here's a fellow who's excited Tim Spears. Tim, call me Ryan Mason Spears. That's it. Back again for another Spurs stint. Last months. season. Sorry, I'm not laughing. Last season, you no, had did, to did, give did, up your Wolves job to yeah, cover for someone funny. on paternity leave yeah. and, and, and do Spurs. And yeah. then you went back to Wolves and then what happened? Uh, so, yeah. So so this week, uh, Steve Maley, the Wolves reporter, has uh, been on holiday. Okay. Has it been uh, a big week with Wolves? Nothing much has happened. Just been sort of filling in, writing a few bits here and there. Uh, and then Charlie Eccleshare, fellow Spurs writer, is also yeah. off this week. Again, oh. not, not much happening. So Well, well, you say that because this morning, actually, Tim, you were due to be recording The View from the Lane, the uh, acclaimed Tottenham Hotspur podcast. Award-winning. Okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I understand the recording's been delayed. Is there some particular big bit of breaking news that you've delayed it for? Yes, so uh, Mr Ornstein, uh, on top of this as ever, and... Uh, Apparently, uh, a bid has finally been accepted after months of wrangling and posturing and negotiations. And it seems uh, Spurs have accepted Bayern's bid of around 100 million. For Harry Kane. For Harry Kane. For Harry Kane. So what's left to be done? So as we speak, the ball is in, is in Kane's hands, very much so. Um, and he now has his big decision to make. Ah. Which is going to be really interesting. I mean, n- normally when these, you know, these things are obviously spoken about in advance, personal terms are always agreed in advance. He's been speaking to Bayern, you know, for some time. So you'd expect it to happen very quickly if if he's fully on board with going to Bayern. However, you know, there are more considerations than, than that. He set a, a deadline of the start of the season for this to be resolved. It's now Thursday morning. It's very close to the to the line, so we're, I, I've never been fully convinced that he's dead set on on just going to Bayern Munich. And you know, are there negotiation tactics at play here? Because obviously, this isn't just a, a story for this summer. It's already a, a story for next summer because that's when Kane's contract expires. So um, yeah, today's today's the day when we'll find out either way. I think what's right. fi- what finally is going to happen. Wow, will the North London derby? No longer feature its top scorer. It's very interesting that they've accepted, you know, the bid again at this late stage with the season due to start in in two days because um, he's obviously the heartbeat of this team, the goal scorer. He's he's everything to them. You know, he scored four against Shakhtar last weekend and Spurs, Spurs look fantastic and they're looking really good under Ange Postacoglu. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's a bit like you know how sometimes when you you're going for a haircut and you wake up that day and your hair is really good and you're like, oh, I don't actually need one. It's like Kane has waited so long in some respects to to get a chance to leave. And now Spurs are looking pretty adventurous with new manager, new style of play. And you do wonder whether that'll be 
you know, playing on his mind. But Duncan, have you ever then not got that haircut and regretted it the next day? Maybe that's what Spurs are thinking. Yeah, maybe, yeah. 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 Well, much more about Harry Kane and decisions and, and what this means for Spurs in The View from the Lane when you actually get around to recording that, Tim. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, a, f- a very fast developing moving situation, Whoa. but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens I later wonder, today. I wonder whether Spurs will replace him, spend the money well, on a striker or invest in elsewhere because they've got good forwards that have, you know, have sort of been on the sideline in, in Kane's shadow. Who's that, Richarlison? Yeah. Okay. Who, who really fits into the kind of football that Postacoglu plays right and again he's had a good pre-season and he's you know he's Brazil's number nine for goodness sake so there aren't an abundance of prolific strikers out there as clubs have found this summer I always thought that if they sold Kane they'd spend the money on defenders that's what they really need well they spent you know 40 million pounds on a defender this week and the squad looks pretty good to be honest you know they've, they've filled areas that, that they were lacking in and they look really set for the start of the season and, and, and in, in, in a good, really good position. Yeah, good, so Kane leaving now just changes everything. They obviously. could offer Juve a bunch of cash for uh, Dusan Vlajevic if they felt that was a good idea. But yeah, yeah I mean, obviously there's, there's other names out there. There's other names out there. All right, Ooh, Tim, you're also hosting these days the brand new and very exciting Daily Football Briefing podcast show. for The Athletic. Good show, really good show. I mean, yeah. I, I, I like it. Yes, despite my involvement, it's um, it's it's uh, it's a good show. It's like a, it's yeah, it it, it is exactly what it suggests. It is. It's right. about football. It's every day. Yeah, and it's quite brief. It is brief. Uh, it's like you know, ten fifteen minutes just on the key news of the day. Of key the day. news. Have you done one of those today already? No. Okay. No, I, I I just do a couple of days a week, Monday, Monday, Tuesday. Somebody's done it already today. But you know what? They're gonna have to throw that out. <laughs> Make a new one. <laughs> Should be hourly. Should be really. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, brand new Premier League season with all that that in, entails. Uh, let's see, there's been some tweaks. One thing that's the same as last year is, uh, once again, we will have another major international tournament disrupting the campaign midway. This time it's the Africa Cup of Nations, which will have a bearing on things, no doubt, around January time. Also, as has been much discussed, there's going to be more yellow cards and time added on to try and counter dissent and time-wasting. Potentially bad news for Villa's Emmy Martinez, who was booked seven times mm. for wasting time last season. That's a lot, Duncan. Yeah, he came close to um, Jens Lehmann's seasonal record for yellow cards, which is eight, I think. But, um, yeah, we saw it in the EFL last weekend. I think there were loads more bookings for dissent, loads more for time-wasting. And players were doing it automatically. The game I watched, um, I shouldn't have watched it, but it was Wickham lost three as Wexter, but... Uh, next to the player basically just kicked the ball a yard away just just before a free kick like you would just roll the ball away and the ref was straight out with the yellow card so I think we'll see that in the, again in the Premier League this yeah, weekend I was at Cheltenham v Birmingham mm. uh, this week uh, right behind the fourth official and I kept my eye on him and when there was a goal kick or a free kick say with the goalkeeper he, he clearly put the stopwatch on mm. So it's things like that. that you you wouldn't consider that time-wasting. Mm. But I think as many teams that faced Newcastle last season will, will have found out, Nick Pope in particular was just painful. He was Rafa Nadal-esque in the way that he just took his time over these kicks. And from, from now on, that's, that's going to be added on, which has to be a positive. Also, when the substitution is made and mm. you get someone on the other side of the pitch who just strolls across when they're 1-0 up or whatnot... There's no point in doing that anymore. I, I don't know what everyone's complaining about. This, is, this has got to be a positive, hasn't it? 
It'll be like VAR was at the 2018 uh, World Cup, where at first it was it just caused loads of issues, and then p people learn quickly. You do wonder whether fourth officials will get back into that game everyone did as a kid with a stopwatch. We try and end it exactly on zero zero on the hundreds. What about sports report? That's my that's a key concern of mine. Well, or the alternative, you know, the five o'clock. Yeah, what, yeah. What's just happened? Because every single game is going to be still ongoing, right? TV schedules are going to be. Well, TV up. schedules have already been torn up, torn up. There's not going to be any more score on BT Sport. There's not going to be any more BT Sport. Instead, we've got a brand new station covering the Premier League, TNT Sports. They're calling it. Do you know, Tim? It is the seventh broadcaster to host Premier League games. Can you name the other six? Any of you? ESPN is one. Satanta. It's two. BBC. Three. There you are. That's the horse book holder of this question. Mm. <laughs> ITV has had it. Yeah. Amazon. No, I don't think ITV has no. had it. Well, it had the highlights and it had match of the day. No, yeah, we're talking about live. live Premier League. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. ESPN, yeah it was yeah. BBC that, uh, that was during the lockdown. You remember when there were like 15 games in a day? Some would be on BBC. May not have been 15. Also changing the TV world. No, Martin Tyler. No Martin Tyler, no Jeff Shrees, neither. And no more Jeff Stelling on Soccer Saturday. Mm. Oh, this will be the first season in Premier League history to feature an Australian manager and a Belgian manager. Never had. They never said had. it would never happen, but here we are. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's the future. Hey, while we're doing questions, new Bournemouth signing Justin Cliver will be, when he takes the field... Only the fourth player ever to feature in all of Europe's top five leagues. Can you name the other three? Other three players who featured in all of the top five leagues in Europe. Jovetic? Ooh, is correct. Oh, Looking for two more. Played. Nice. The only one I know, though. Mm. I'm not even going to think really? about it. Really? Yeah, it's two. It's One's two from kind of early, mid-90s. Romanian player. Dimitrescu? No, Florian Radicoyo. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And then the other fellow, I don't know if you'll get him, actually. I mean, you will, Christian Poulsen. Christian Poulsen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, that's tough. Yeah. All right. I tell you what, Tim, that didn't light your fire, but how about this as a question? Brighton faced Luton uh, this weekend. Last time they faced each other in the top flight was January 1983. Who was number one? Les Seeley. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea what you're about. It's a goalkeeper joke, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. No, no. Number one record in the charts, Adrian? January 1983? It's got to be Bananarama, isn't it? Ooh. But no. Okay. Right. Kajagugu? They're, they were 80s. Oh, this is great 80s knowledge and pretty relevant period as well. No, it's actually Phil Collins with You Can't Hurry Love. Can't Hurry Love. You can't, can you? Bananarama, who you saw <laughs> it's playing not, it's in not, a... Not, it's a good point. In a Ford car dealership car park, along with, and this blows my mind, status quo. Uh, not a Ford dealership car park. <laughs> it was the, the, the car show right. at the XL, yeah, a few and they, years they, back. But they erected a stage it in was, the car an, park. It was an 80s extravaganza. And they had Bananarama, Bananarama status, status quo. quo. I can't, I, yeah, I can't remember who else was on, Rick the, Astley, on the bill. 100%. But it was, it was sensational entertainment. Loved it. All right. Yeah. As is today's podcast. That's enough fun. Let's get on to the proper stuff and uh, the weekend and season in prospect. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Season gets underway Friday night with Burnley Man City, everyone. City looking to become the first 
English football club ever to win four titles in a row could well have a good start here because they've won their last 11 matches against the Clarets by an aggregate score of 40 to 1. A lot of talk, though, that this this Burnley is different. Adrian? Very different. Is it? The polar opposites, in fact, yeah. Um, in the Championship, they have more of the ball than anybody else. 64.6% of it in the Premier League the year before they had 39%. Oh, so right. that's quite a, quite a difference. But didn't this Vincent Company Burnley face... City last season in the FA Cup. They did, and I think they'll have learned lessons from that. And they're going to have right. to adapt. They, they got annihilated, if truth be told. That said, I remember the game, mm. and they did cause Manchester City quite a few problems going forward. They've got excellent wide players, Burnley. Uh, Manuel Benson is one to keep your eye on. Anas Zaruri is another one. They've lost Nathan Teller. But, yeah, they're a possession base side. They're very attack-minded. They'll play... City style of football mm. in terms of inverting the fullbacks and and whatnot. They're, they're a very attractive team to watch. And this is this is a good one. Uh, ten plus pass sequences. So you know, stringing ten ten or more passes together in the Premier League, they only did it 112 times uh, in 38 games, which is not very many. Uh, in the Championship last year, 744 right. such passages. So they'll find it harder. Is to it keep... easier to do that in the Championship than no, the Premier League? No, I don't think it is because it's, well, it is if you're a good team. Right. Uh, but the Championship is is rough and tumble. It's Players are closing you down for fun. Mm. You've got to be good to be able to knock the ball around. And they are good. Mm. But of course, they're going to have to adapt their game in the, in the Premier League because there are a lot, lot of opponents will have more of the ball than them. They're going to need other qualities, aren't they? They're going to need a little bit of the old Burnley qualities, especially resilience, to, to hold these the, these better opponents at bay. Very good. That's coming up Friday night. That opens proceedings for this brand new season. Then Saturday, the early game is Arsenal Forest, which will be the first game on TNT Sports. Then at three, you've got Sheffield United, freshly up from the Championship, taking on Crystal Palace. Happy birthday on Wednesday to Roy Hodgson. Bournemouth are up against West Ham. Brighton face another of the new boys, Luton. Everton take on Fulham. And then at tea time, it's Newcastle Villa. On Sunday, Brentford Spurs. A lot of question marks over... Uh, the visitors there and Chelsea against Liverpool, who are facing each other off the field as well as we speak on the transfer market. And Monday, match day one concludes with Man United against Wolves. Oof. I, said, I mean, there's a, there's 20 teams there, 10, 10 games coming up. Rather than slog through all of them, uh, should we agree on the headlines that City are massive favourites and what, uh, Luton and Sheffield United are most likely to, to struggle? Yeah. I think that's fair, and, and statistically, and and that is probably the case. But I mean, obviously, last season none of the promoted teams went down. Yeah, well, I do have a sneaking suspicion Luton might adapt quite well to the okay. Premier League. We'll talk more about Luton. In fact, let's get a round of predictions later on at the end of today's okay. show. But for now, let's with twenty teams there ready to go. Which sides are most interesting to you? Which ones do you have most question marks? Tim, uh, do you want to kick off? Um, I will just say that the league as a whole, I think, is really interesting. I, w I was trying to predict my, my 20 earlier, trying to separate the sort of top eight or nine, if you sort of, you know, go with Brighton and Villa sort of being in there, is really, really hard. I think it's absolutely fascinating, to be honest. I think Chelsea and Spurs without Europe will, will have an edge on others. I think that will come into play as the season goes. But if you look at what Newcastle and Villa have done in terms of taking last season and strengthening, I think, really well. Mm. And you, you assume, I think, that Brighton will, will go again and be up there. Right. It's... I don't know. It's, I think it's. I think it's probably the hardest league to predict in a while. Villa, I know particularly interesting. They face Newcastle this weekend. Mm. 
Yeah, Wait, what, what is it about them that, that, that catches your just eye Just incredible most? progress under Unai Emery, isn't it? I mean, this was a team that were fighting relegation when he came in and they ended up in seventh place qualifying for Europe and and they've strengthened well, I think, during during the summer. So Yuri Tielemans came in. Um, he checked out at Leicester a couple of seasons ago, really. But but if he if he can get back to what he was, that that will be a top signing. Pau Torres, a lot of clubs were after him. Excellent ball-playing central defender. Uh, and it's not as if they weren't solid enough at the back anyway. I mean, I don't know if you, you remember this, but in the last 15 games, Villa didn't concede more than one goal in, in any game. You know, it, it was remarkable. They, they kept things very, very tight. They right. didn't need three or four goals to win matches because because they were so stingy at the back. I think Emery, Emery's got something good going. What they need is someone else apart from Ollie Watkins to chip in. Well, could Moussa Diaby be that figure? He could be. Yeah, he could be. He's had a good pre-season. He's come in and he scored a few goals. He's more of a winger stroke attacking midfielder, isn't he? If he gets double figures in his first Premier League season, he'd have done very well, I think. I still believe with European football now at Villa Park, they could do with another striker just to ease the burden on Ollie Watkins. But yeah, look, we know that Emery will take European football seriously. Mm. That's his thing, isn't it? He, you know, he's, a, he's an absolute expert at that. How will they marry that with the league form? Will they continue to make progress? I, th- I think Villa, yeah, they've made great strides. Can they go to the next level? I right. don't know. That Can they, do you think? Go on, make a bold prediction. I think they've got they've got a more depth now, yes. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're better now than they were at the end of last season on paper. Right. Let's, let's, let's see. All right, we'll, we'll get our first it, look at them away at Newcastle. Sorry, Duncan. It feels like... They played loads of season Villa and Newcastle because they were in, they drew 3-3 yeah. in America and it was the game where they had like GoPros on uh, a couple yeah, of the players. Did, and yeah. I, I watched quite a lot of it because it was quite interesting seeing it from, from that perspective. But yeah, it was quite funny they're playing on the opening day. So not again. Come on, love. It was, yeah, it was, it was a great game. Villa should have won it. They were by far the better side on the day, but look, it's a pre-season, pre-season. game. Pre-season, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Villa haven't won at St. James's Park in an actual league game since... April 2005, a game that's quite infamous. Can you recall why? Boyer and Dyer scrapping. Oh, there's a fight going on here between two Newcastle players. Kieran Dyer and Lee Boyer are having a fight. Goodness me, what on earth is going on? What was the backstory to the Dyer and Boyer? I just think they had an on-pitch argument. And right. It was about one, one not passing to the other, wasn't yeah. it, on the day? Right. Yeah. I think Dyer didn't pass to Boyer and got cross, but... I mean, as with on the bench, our new sub for Newcastle that day, James Milner. He's just always there, isn't he? Just always there. <laughs> and and we'll be there again this time for for Brighton, Brighton who will be kicking off their campaign against newly promoted Luton, who Duncan are the team who you have most questions about, or you think are going to be one of the more surprising sides. I just think it's it's a nice story. It's interesting. Obviously, I think everyone knows by now you know, the spatial dimensions of Kenworth Road and the uh, football pyramid, how it functions. Mm. But it is interesting to see them climb that quickly. They are, uh, you know, it's a sort of style of football you don't get that much. You know, we've we've got now got a slick Burnley, as Adrian was saying, but Luton will play pretty long if people do miss that. That style, they've got two two big men up front, Carlton Morris and Eli Adebayo. 
Um, and I'm just interested to see how they get on because it's kind of like different ages of, of little teams getting to the Premier League. If you think back to the start of the Premier League, Swindon came up, right. letting 100 girls got battered. Then you have a sort of Stoke era where they had a gimmick, you know, a towel and a long throw, and that worked. And then you get the Hull and Blackpool era where they sort of come up, they start really well. Mm. Blackpool then fade and get relegated. Hull faded but just survived for another season. But then you think now, you get teams like Brentford that come up. You know, progressive, smart thinking. And, right. and Luton, I and mean, they're not as progressive as, as Brentford in a lot of ways, but I, I do think people are writing them off a little bit too easily. I mean, Adrian will know, you know, uh, EFL man. Adrian, <laughs> uh, you enter Luton through someone's front room. Will they go out through the Premier League's back door? <laughs> I suspect they will because, right. because of the budgets, because of the talent quite simply but Rob Edwards is a great manager right. he's been he's had two seasons in the Football League uh-huh. promoted both times mm. I mean can he do it again that's very good probably not <laughs> I don't think he'll do it this yeah. year one thing I'll say about Luton is that they used to absorb in pressure right because even in the championship even though they were a top team yeah. they didn't have very much of the ball like, I think they averaged like 45% or something. Teams had a lot of shots against them. They had to keep a compact shape. So they've had a lot of practice at that. So And, and they didn't let in very many open play goals last season, Luton. They were they were excellent at the back. So, yeah, it's, yeah they're, they're well equipped to handle it. It's just whether the players are good enough ultimately. And, and that's where I think they might fall down. Defence was miserly last season. 46 championship matches. They only conceded 42 goals. But their keeper has now returned to Nottingham Forest. Is that right? To the American Horvath. Uh, One man who's come in, though, and this is exciting. I challenge you not to be thrilled at the news that Ross Barkley will be turning out for the Hatters. I am excited about that. Um, And, yeah, they've also signed Ryan Giles from Wolves, who uh, was top of the assists league. In the championship last season mm-hmm. for Middlesbrough on loan, okay, very very speedy left winger slash left back, um, and they generate most of their chances from crosses. They had the yeah, exactly. XG, so yeah, he's a perfect signing. For he'll th- he'll thrive this season, and I think I think yeah, Rob Edwards has gone under the radar a bit. It's all about Luton and Kenilworth Road, but Rob Edwards, as Adrian yeah. says, has had a fantastic start to his manager career, almost unparalleled, really. And yeah, he's really he's really um, come on as a coach in the last few years. He was at Wolves in the FA, and his man management, by all accounts, is, is excellent. And he's a really good talker. I think I think people will really warm <laughs> he's to him. Annoyingly handsome as well. He's, he's just yeah. got it all. Um, but yeah, look, one thing I really admire about Rob Edwards is that he wants to play progressive passing football. That's his thing. He play, he's managed the England under 16s He's used to that, uh-huh. but he's inherited a Luton team that have just got some really big guys and that, that, that are well suited to a very direct style of play. And he's rolled with it. And I think that that's what they have. To, that's what they have to still do because there's a temptation. You get to the Premier League and it's like, well, oh, we've got to be like everyone that, else. I think they've got to keep retain their identity. But that's why I think the comparison between Burnley and Luton is going to be really interesting because <laughs> Burnley are the better footballing team. But will that translate to that yeah. high division? You could, you could see Luton picking up more points, initially at least. Oh, t- some teams are going to hate playing against them, especially at Kenilworth. This weekend, will Brighton hate Hosting the Hatters. Brighton, who... Brighton are good, are they? I mean, Brighton. They've lost one or two players and possibly are in the process of losing one or two more. But they are possibly in the process of making a very impressive uh, new signing in. Mohamed Kudus from uh, from Ajax. Very good player. Yeah, I've also been linked with him and I would Mm. be more than happy if if he rocked up at Emirates. So if they get that one over the line... 
that will be a real you know, sign of the progress that they've made. Mm. Yeah, they're an excellent team. I make them heavy favourites to beat Luton on the opening on the opening weekend. All right, Roberto De Zerbi, I mean, he's the real deal. Boom, excellent. Let's hear from Tim about the side that he's most intrigued by next. Hi everybody, I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Athletics' dedicated Spurs podcast, The View from the Lane. Join me, Charlie Eccleshare, James Moore, Tim Spears and Jack Pitbrook who promises to be yet another rollercoaster season in N17. Will Ange Postacoglu bring back attacking football to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Will Harry Kane be there to take part? Every Monday and Thursday we'll bring you top analysis from the best journalists in the game as well as razor-sharp insight, it says here, and, of course, all the usual view-from-the-lane gaffes and gags. Come on, you Spurs. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Tim, we never got on to what's been happening this week at Wolves, but I know you want to talk about West Ham because they've, they've had an eventful few days, haven't they? Yeah. Um, Where do you want to start? Well, they're sort of the hardest team to predict in the league, really. Which one? Um, West Ham, sorry. Not Wolves. Wolves you find quite easy at this point? Uh, yeah, yeah, very concerned about Wolves, yeah. Um, it's been a really poor summer for them. You know, no signings up until now. Poor pre-season results. You know, they lost 4-0 to Leverkusen and 3-1 to Ren in the, in the past couple of weeks. Mm. They've lost a couple of important backroom staff members. You know, Mark Warburton left and Paul Nevin, highly regarded coach, gone to join... Patrick Vieira at Strasbourg. Obviously, they lost Declan Rice. You know, not just their best player, but their captain, their talisman, their heartbeat, their key to attack and defence. Um, they also lost Lanzini and Scamacca. So the squad's got smaller. You know, they've got Europa right. League this year. They're in Europe for the third year in a row. So obviously, a, a remarkable achievement. Um, but I guess more importantly in that and central to that, suggestions of sort of internal strife between uh, David Moyes and if people don't know, they've, they've brought in a new technical director, this summer, Tim Steiden, um, previously of Leverkusen and um, uh, Werder Bremen, I think. So him and Moyes are of contrasting philosophies and cultural football beliefs, you'd say. Um, mm. uh, so, that's a smart appointment. Well, that's, that's the thing. I feel a bit sorry for David Moyes, really. Um, yeah, so Steiden, in, in his last two roles in Germany, you know, barely touched the Premier League in terms of his recruitment and his believed to you know favor more of a of a european or continental approach whereas Moyes, right. as we know traditionally leans on british players and premier league players so there's a real clash there right. um looking at the players that they have brought in in the last couple of days and are looking to mm. seems like Moyes has the upper hand so they've agreed a 30 million fee for harry Maguire and james will prowse is that over the line now so no so they've, they've got three deals in the mix mctominay oh. Maguire, and edson alvarez from okay Ajax, um, very experienced Mexico international, 25 years old. And so he's seen as the Rice replacement, is that right? I think more more of a defensive midfielder rather than Rice sort of playing both roles and okay. getting forward. But yes, it's essentially he'll take Rice's 
place in the team. Okay. But uh, my you know, my God, you know, they needed this week. You know, I, I think McTominay and Maguire will be good additions. The dressing room will need that. If you look at that squad, uh-huh. there are not many obvious leaders in there. I'd imagine it's David Moyes who's identified those two players for their for those roles. But when you look at it, you know, Moyes is sort of perennially under pressure. Even if he's winning a European competition, you know, there's still sort of question marks over his job. So bringing in a, a, a technical director who's who's obviously got an extremely important job at the club, I don't know, it just sort of spells danger for me. The style of football is difficult for a lot of the players to... To, to perform to their best. And I mean, you know, you think about the attacking players, Lucas Hakata uh, mm. has been linked, doesn't he, with Manchester, Manchester City. Mm. Obviously, anyone can get their head turned by Manchester City, but, you know, someone like Jared Bowen, good player, how many touches of the ball does he get? You know what I mean? It's, I just well, think you know, when Declan Rice joined Arsenal, he went on about how long it's going to take him to assimilate all the stuff. He had to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Like... I, do, I, do, I do think there's a frustration within the dressing room. And look, there was a big drop-off, wasn't there? I think they scored 18 fewer goals. They had 16 less points last season. Even though they won a European trophy, they went backwards quite far. Right. They do have, they, I think Moyes has got a lot of work to do this season. If you lose Declan Rice with everything that he represented for the team and you spend that money on McTominay and Harry Maguire, is that good business? <laughs> I mean, it both would be good signings, but they're not, they're not going to kind of improve West Ham. They're maybe just going to get them another place or two up the table, which is not, you know, they won a European trophy, albeit one of the newer ones, but... You do feel like Moyes, he might look back and think, I should have maybe gone out on that night. And yeah, or, or West Ham might think, you know, like, like like Bournemouth did, you know, should have been maybe maybe braver in hindsight and make that decision in the summer. Cup. Because it, it, yeah, it, feel, yeah. it does feel inevitable. But it's interesting that they're, playing, that they're playing Bournemouth in the opening game because Bournemouth have brought in Areola, you know, really progressive manager that a lot of clubs looked at. And they're looking at players like Alex Scott, who's been brilliant in the Championship. And if you, if you had a choice between someone like Alex Scott and Ward Prowse... I think, you know, I'd go for Scott, you know, more potential, bigger future. James Ward-Prowse is, is a very good player, but there's probably a reason that he's never got a move before now. Yeah, they, they need more of the ball. They need to be more attack-minded because Rice saved them. Like, he was the legs of the team. He was the engine, the heartbeat. You look at the number, you know the numbers, Duncan. I mean, yeah. they're just extraordinary in terms of the interceptions and the ball-winning qualities. Take that guy out. Yeah, if you take I, out, don't, I don't think you want to be doing too much defending with that guy missing. I think they need to play on the front for this. I season. mean, you take out defenders and Rice carried the ball more than anyone by miles in the Premier League last year. I mean, you could argue that Maguire, one of Maguire's strengths that wasn't used at United recently is carrying the ball out. So he could possibly do a bit of that. But yeah, Rice is a very difficult player to replace. Bournemouth, with that Andoni Iraola coming in from Rayo Vallecano, a big pressing fan across the big five European leagues last season, only Bayern Munich forced more high turnovers that produced a shot than Raya Vallecano. That's quite a complicated stat, but it says something, Adrian. He's vertical. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah. He'll get them grafting, won't he? They'll work from the front. Hopefully they'll be a bit more attack-minded as well. Mm. Because Gary O'Neill, I I felt with Gary O'Neill, he was constantly in a relegation battle, so he had to sort of just dig out results and play very cautiously. Hopefully, because it's a clean slate this year, we'll see a bit more proactiveness from from Bournemouth. They did fail to score in almost half their games last year, Bournemouth, which isn't great. Mm. I think that Iraola will will get more goals out of them, from turnovers especially. Gary O'Neill, Tim, is now at Wolves after the upheaval at Mm -hmm. Molyneux this week. Yeah, what a week. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, Yulan Lopetegui left 
six days before the start of it's early for him, season. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got form, isn't he? Yeah, so he left uh, Spain on the brink of the World Cup. People may remember uh, because of his dalliance with Real Madrid. This is not really to do with dalliances with other clubs, although he was looking elsewhere at the start of the summer when I assumed that this, you know, divorce would happen. But it's taken until early August, which what, is why is that? So I mean, it's it's an unusual one. I mean, it's nothing to do with results. Uh, Lopetegui did very well last season. Wolves were pretty much a top ten team in the form charts, you know, ever since he took over. Uh, it's nothing to do with style of football because that was pretty good on the whole. Certainly at home, it's it's about money, uh, it's about power, and it's come to a head. He's had a massive fallout with the chairman. Their their relationship has basically completely broken down, and he feels he's been misled over the amount of money he's got to spend, which is precisely zero. So I don't know don't know why that's a particularly hard figure to get his head around. Um, but Wolves have um, Wolves have lost an awful lot of players this this summer. They've lost Neves, Martinho. Jimenez, Traore, Cody, you know, very familiar names in what's what's been their very successful few years. And they, uh, they've they've signed Matt Doherty, uh, again, a very familiar name from the past few years, um, as on a free transfer. And that's it. And um, from what I'm told, they won't be spending money between now and the end of August, even though there are more departures to come. They've got a huge financial shortfall to make up what? this summer. Um, they've already sold £85 million worth of players, but that's still not enough. So why are Wolves, who, I mean, any Premier League sides in the... 20 richest clubs in the world, essentially. Well, the, the SPL, the Saudi Pro League, maybe changes that. 20 richest European sides. Why Why do they not have a... And they've just received 85 million. Why, why, why can't they... So they spent 170 last year. I, th- I think maybe people don't really realise because a lot, of those, a lot of that money went on players that did really not much in Who the Premier League. So Mateus Nunes came in for about 45 million. Mateus Cunha was, was a similar price. Gonzalo Guedes was about 27 million. These players did nothing last year. So, um, yeah, they spent under Bruno Lars last summer to, to get the squad ready. Then when they were bottom of the league, they spent £70 million in January under Lopetegui mm. to go again. And uh, they're, they're going to fall well short of financial fair play rules. Is it true that Lopetegui uh, knew this was happening a few weeks ago and that he just agreed to stay on to coach the players to yeah. get them fit for the season? It's been coming for a while, but he's on a huge contract and mm. didn't want to walk away from that. Mm. Um, he told the club after a friendly against Celtic about 10 days ago that he just couldn't do it anymore and that he was going to go. But he agreed to stay for sort of seven to ten days to coach the team while they found while they found his okay. his successor. But yeah, basically he he wanted four signings, uh, none of which have, have come in. They were in for Alex Scott, who's going to Bournemouth for around twenty million, but they couldn't afford that, so they're in they're in real trouble. I think it's a really good point. It's the same as Everton. You, you think of these clubs as not bringing anyone in, but they actually have spent tons of money, just not very successfully. Mm. Yeah, I mean, p- part of me thinks just just get on with it and manage the squad um, and just be a manager. But there was always a feeling, and I really saw this with Conte last season, so I recognised it, that he just thought it was beneath him to be at Wolves. You know, former Spain, Real Madrid and Sevilla manager. And I think he just think, right, I don't I don't need the hassle of no money in another relegation battle. Right. So he's, he's decided to go and, yeah, Gary O'Neill's his Gary O'Neill, who, Adrian, you used to ghostwrite for. <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah, one of my first jobs in, in sort of football journalism. Yeah, I used to ghostwrite player websites when they were a thing. Nice. Back in the early noughties. Um, and he was uh, a youngster at Portsmouth at the time. Very, yeah, he spoke like a veteran even at 20, 21. <laughs> like he was, you, could, you know, you could just tell someone loves football and they love the game and they can't stop talking about it. I think he probably thought he'd have a career maybe in the media afterwards. He was very good talker, but but it's turned out that he's he's 
a very smart coach. I, th I think we saw enough from him last season to suggest that Wolves have made a, a, a relatively sound choice. I think given the fact that they haven't got much money to spend, he's also a, a budget choice in terms of wages. So, and, and him as a manager will be a budget choice. You know, they spent an awful lot on yeah. their last sort of three managers. Exactly. exactly. So his wages will be considerably yeah. less. And Lopetegui's, but I, I like him. I think he got a lot of respect for, for the job he did at Bournemouth. Remember, he's got some ingenious little moves he, he put together, I think, from set pieces. And obviously the, the famous kickoff goal against Arsenal, I thought was one of the one of the moments of the season, actually. R remind me, Adrian. Well, they scored after, how many seconds was it? Nine or ten? So the second fastest yeah. goal in Premier League history. Okay. And it's Bournemouth that get this match underway. Immediately on the front foot as well. Looking to get off to a bright start. Ball's come in, it's a goal! That goal came really quickly from Philip Billing. Arsenal switched off from the start. What a shock! And Bournemouth are leading. They basically did a decoy kickoff where they put everybody on the left-hand side and then somebody span around from the centre circle to receive a little little touch to then spread the play right for a 1v1 because Arsenal's players had all gathered on the right and they had a 1v1 with Zinchenko, put it into the box and um, Philip Billing turned the ball into the, into the back of the net. It was genius. And I just think... I, th that's a moment that he could feel really proud of. So yeah, Wolves, Wolves might have a few few things up their sleeve this season. I'm sure he's a very very good coach, and by all accounts, a really nice guy. Mm. But as 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 a Wolves fan of many years, you know, going from yeah. a former Real Madrid manager to a guy sacked by Bournemouth in June, I think I feel like Duncan did in the fourth minute of you know Wickham's opening game of the season. <laughs> Just all that sort of new season optimism. I mean, mine's gone already. To be honest, yeah, so. it can go fast. I tell you. It all begins for Wolves. Monday night, Tim, so you've got until Monday night uh, when they're going to be at Old Trafford uh, facing a Man United team that could be handing debuts to Mason Mount, Unana, Hoyland. No, apparently not Hoyland, he's injured. So there's that. There's that. OK, next up, let's touch on uh, the big game Sunday afternoon, Chelsea-Liverpool. Hi, I'm Ayoake Moleri, host of the Athletic Football Podcast. On the latest episode, Tony Evans and Rafa Honningstein join me to take a closer look at how and why Liverpool went from being the best side in the Premier League at signing players to being not so great at the moment. And also, can Jurgen Klopp convince his side to play heavy metal football once again? Available now on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Just search The Athletic Football Podcast now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. 
Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Let's dig deep into the mailbag, which features this from Tony Down Under today. Uh, which team do the panel predict will have the most managerial changes during the season? Well, it's traditional now for at least one club to go through three managers in a season. Um, sometimes who, it's Fulham. Who had the most last year? Um, I feel like it was Chelsea, is that right? Chelsea, well, Bruno had a game, didn't he? I didn't really... Yeah. Southampton had three. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously last season was a record number of, of sackings. It feels like it might be quite as high this season. I, hmm. I would plump for Nottingham Forest because Ooh. they've had uh, a bad pre-season. It's not been a lot better than Wolves, really. They, they've, I know they, they've got a lot of players, but they haven't, they haven't spent much and the results have been really poor. And there's obviously speculation over Brendan Johnson's future. I just feel if they get off to a bad start and they've got a really tough fixture list, Nottingham Forest, if they get off to a bad start, I don't think the owner there is the type that to, to stick with him again. I think he'll pull the plug early and it will be a mistake to do so. They'll bring in someone random. That will go wrong. And I think they'll, they'll go through three managers this season. That's just me. Okay. Pierre Van Hoydonk as caretaker to see, see him Possibly. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Tom Bowdery would like to he says, who cares about who's going to win the league? I want a little discussion on who will be the entertainers this season. Top three for me, says Tom Bowdery. Uh, Liverpool, Bournemouth and Brighton. I disagree, actually. Uh, I think Spurs are going to be incredibly entertaining. In a year. good sense this time. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. On, oh. yeah I, do, I, think they'll be, I think they'll be comfortably the least recognisable Team even if that from news, last yeah, the biggest change, yeah, but but even even I mean they haven't really made too many signings, but they're going to look and they're still wearing the same colour shirt, but they're going to look completely different. Mm. It'd be like when a when a soap opera changes an actor, but it's the yeah. same character. Right. Well, Jeeks of Hazard did that um, with. I mean, they, Miss Ellie, I think, would be the yeah Dallas. Yeah, Ben Ben, ben Mitchell. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be like that. He was pretty bad both times. But, it, but no, you're right. It's mad how it's very. I mean, I suppose Bernie did it last year, but it's very rare to see a football club change philosophy that much. And it and it kind of proves the point that I've tried to make to my mum for many years. She's like, "What? What does it matter of who the manager is? The players are the players. It's like because you can have the same set of players and a different manager, and they'll play in a completely different way. So oh, she's wrong. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> she like? Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, but Chelsea are in a similar boat, aren't they? Mm. Because they, I mean, they were so rank bad, weren't mm. they, towards the end of last season? And they've got this young, vibrant-looking team. It's going to look very different. Mm. A manager that plays front foot football, doesn't he? he? Plays attacking football. I think his record at Spurs, he, his team scored an awful lot of goals. Pochettino. So, and, and we know that Chelsea didn't, didn't score very many. So I think they'll be they'll be more entertaining. And also, Reese James said that um, Pochettino sat him and a few of the other sort of more senior players down and said, "What you know? What was the issue?" And they were like, "We weren't fit enough." And they've spent a lot of time getting fitter. So really? they didn't just say Frank Lampard. Well, maybe it was code, or but um, <laughs> yeah, we need more ketchup slash less ketchup. The classic yin yang. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, Chelsea and Tottenham were two of the most frustrating teams to watch last year because they were just so bad and or dreary. And 
And it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, and like I said earlier, neither of them are in Europe. I mean, even Spurs' pre-season results have been entertaining. They lost mm. 3-2 to West Ham, they beat Shakhtar 5-1, and then they lost 4-2 to Barcelona in the week. But honestly, the yawning gaps at the back are, are incredible. Like, e- even all their defenders right. l- like to attack. Mm. The two centre-backs, Van de Ven and Romero, love to push but forward. But if you look at yawning crazy. gaps was more the terraces last year, no? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> but if you look at Postecoglou's career, he, his first few games at clubs tend to be they concede a lot of goals because it, it takes a while for the system to to bed in. Yeah, Brentford, Brentford. It's not as if they're going to press them when they try and play out from the back at the weekend. That game could it? be really good. Yeah, because Brentford will get after them big time. That's the early game on Sunday, of course, two o'clock. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it should be. It should, well, we saw what Brentford did to a Manchester United side yeah. that wanted to try something new last year, playing out from the pack. <laughs> they absolutely murdered them, didn't they? So, be interested to see how Spurs fare against a team that will press like crazy. Right. The kind of marquee fixture of match day one comes later on Sunday afternoon when Chelsea take on Liverpool. Uh, one other post from a listener just to touch on before that, Brian Doyle, he says, can we get word on San Siro not being torn down and the mm. next steps for it? This is back in the news this week because there's been confirmation of the of the fact that there's uh, essentially protected status now for the building. This has actually been the case for a while because um, when a, the kind of cultural minister was appointed under the after the recent elections, Vittorio Scarabi immediately said, no, this is a protected building. It's a cultural landmark. It's iconic. You can't touch it. Any building over a certain age you can't redo in Italy, I guess in most countries. But the fact that they'd redone bits of San Siro had previously allowed the clubs and the, the council to say, oh, no, we can we can knock this down. It's a loophole, uh, and they were going for it. But the government have said, no, there's absolutely no way you're touching San Siro. So both clubs are now pressing ahead, and I'm doing big air quotes here, <laughs> uh, pressing ahead with plans to build their own stadiums, different ones, one slightly to the north of San Siro, the other ones, uh, they're both out of town essentially or further out of town. The other one is is to the, the, the southeast of the, of the city. But I say pressing ahead, and Roma have been pressing ahead with their stadium for about nine years now. Uh, you had the, the pictures nine years ago, the owner <laughs> digging the first <laughs> shovel full of dirt and nothing. I nothing mean, Southend United, one of my former clubs, you could probably say 25 years. 25 uh, years. 25 okay. years worth of managers have yeah. been tempted in by the plans for the new stadium. Right. Um, and yeah. Well, essentially, anyway, I think that they'll be they'll all be playing. San Siro is going to stay there, which, I mean, I personally... But if neither Milan club is playing there, well, who... Well, well, I think they will be because right. it's going to be flipping ages before either of them maybe Luton could play at San Siro possibly so Uh, anyway they'll have to keep it it will be used I think it's uh, one of the kind of centrepieces of the upcoming Winter Olympics in 2026 off the top of my head Uh, but beyond that I mean the clubs will be playing there for ages I mean look for this story to return every season and possibly several times during it I had my first visit to San Siro last autumn and um, uh, I pulled the handle on the to the toilets and the handle came off so they go. do need to, a bit of upkeep yeah I didn't yeah. keep it sadly I, I, 100% it, totally falling apart as I mean same story down in, in Naples where De Laurentiis desperately wants to but you know it's part of the whimsical charm of Serie A yes uh, very good Women's World Cup quarterfinals Friday uh, we'll see those begin with Spain against the Netherlands that's 2am UK time challengingly enough. You'll be catching that over breakfast, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. uh, I won't. Japan and Sweden is at 8.30am. Uh, Saturday, Australia against France, 8am. And then England, Colombia at 11.30, which I think slightly overlaps with Arsenal's game against 
Nottingham Forest. The other games from this weekend in the Premier League are 12.30 Saturday, Arsenal, Nottingham Forest. Uh, Duncan, you've got a big prediction to make about the Gunners. We'll be hearing that very, very shortly. Sheffield United taking on Crystal Palace. Uh, Sheffield United, in their last season at this level, registered the worst start in Premier League history. How long did it take them to win a, a match? 19? 17. 17, yeah. 17. Just yeah. sold the two best players as well, and Jai and mm. Sander Berger. So, yeah, I think it's going to be tough for, tough for the Blades this year. OK. Everton are hosting Fulham Saturday at 3. 38-year-old Ashley Young possibly making his debut for Everton. He's so not young that he actually <laughs> played alongside Sean Dyche at Watford 20 years ago. Remarkable. Yeah. Oh, also... Everton have signed Anat Danjuma again. Because mm. uh, he was previously going to go for them, but then decided that last minute to join Spurs. But now he's going to Goodison on loan. And did you see he put out a tweet with a little snake emoji? Yeah, well, he did a little snake arm oh, movement did he also? in videos. Yeah, well, what oh, is right. Everton and snakes? Obviously, when Marco Silva mm. left Watford together, yeah. there was a lot of snake trap. I mean, snake trap. Yeah, yeah. I, lo I love the fact that, yeah, he's willing to admit that he, he was a snake there. Own it. It's yeah. the social media yeah. equivalent of either flying into a tackle on your debut or kissing the badge because the fans will be like, oh, I hated him, but he actually is good. Yeah. So it's that easy. Fair enough. Uh, Chelsea take on Liverpool Sunday at 4.30. The two clubs currently locked in a transfer mano a mano. Winner gets Lavia. Yeah, for the services well. of Romeo Lavia out of Southampton. What What's the latest there, Tim? That's it's edging more towards Chelsea, I think, as, as right. we stand. But yeah, that's uh, that might run and run till after the weekend, you'd imagine. Unlikely um, to be turning out for either of those in that clash. But Chelsea again are sort of going down the football manager style of of, of just putting in bids for for players: Caicedo, uh -huh. Tyler Adams, and our Filter later. by determination, seventeen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but as Adrian says, you know, I think they've had a they've had a really good preseason. By all accounts, they've been showing Chelsea. Chelsea, they've right. been they've been showing more intensity and friendly matches than they did in the whole of last season. Fun stat, Tim Pochettino will be the ninth Chelsea manager that Jurgen Klopp has faced in his <laughs> eight years as Liverpool manager. Less fun stat is the fact that uh, Christopher Nkunku, who's been part of that positive preseason for the Blues, is going to be out for four months. He requires surgery on that knee injury that he suffered in preseason against Dortmund. That's it's a blow. It's a blow because he, he was going to be a massive player for them. I mean, he will be when he's fully fit because I think he's at his best attacking midfielder, but he's a very powerful runner. And uh, they don't really have someone of his ilk. Nicholas Jackson is the one that's mm. impressed me in pre-season. I think we've watched the same games, Duncan. I can see you nodding. This guy's quick. He's really sharp. Plays off the shoulder of the last defender. So from counter-attacks, Chelsea are going to have this guy that they can just slip balls through over the top for 1v1s. And, and in those 1v1s, he's pretty lethal. And he, he ended last season on a real high with, with Villarreal. His strike rate was incredible and um, he's carried on that form into pre-season. So yeah, Jackson is, is one to keep an eye on for sure. And Levi Colwell as well. Oh, yeah, by all good player. He's had a great pre-season. I think he's going to be potentially one of the standouts. You can see, He'll play for England soon, you can see him getting in there pretty quickly really actually with England's centre-half options. Yeah. Yeah. On, on the goal front, mm. they got 38 last year. Chelsea. I, yeah. I looked, 38. 38 goals. Their lowest ever in the Premier League. I was looking at what it takes to get in the Champions League and, and what the minimum requirement has been across the last 10 years. And 58 is 
the minimum output. So they've got a bit of improvement. So like Jackson will score 20. 38 out of 20, 58, <laughs> job done. Happy days. There you go. I mean, Boss. he has had some injury problems as well, which is not ideal for given Chelsea's other... They probably need another striker, don't they? Yeah. Don't count on too many goals being added in this fixture. The last four meetings of these two sides in all competitions have all finished 0-0, nil-nil. George Valdano on line two. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what do you think then? Now, let's get some predictions. Do you think Chelsea are going to make the top four? Who's going to end up in the bottom three? Let's hear your bold calls for the season ahead. Adrian. Okay. Um, top four will be uh, Manchester United, Liverpool. In, 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 in which order? order? Oh, I'm going to go for four. Okay. Four to one. Let's go for. Let's go for no four to one. Manchester Bruno United fourth. Yes. Liverpool third. Uh, I, look, I've got a head and a heart selection here, but it, my head says Arsenal second and Arsenal. City to win it right. again. Right. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're worthy favourites, but Arsenal can win it. Do, do you want to disagree Luton wildly with that? <laughs> Duncan, uh, you think Arsenal are going to win it? Yeah, my top six was Arsenal first, Chelsea second. You're Ooh. kidding. Why Chelsea second? Just, I just believe in Poch. I think. Okay. I think. Incredible. They underperformed so much last season. They're not. That is not a guide to that Chelsea squad. Compared to the Spurs team that he took to second place, mm. how would you? Is this a, this is a better Chelsea side? Not yet, but I think it's got potential. Yeah. So Chelsea side that scored 38 goals is going to finish ahead of Manchester City. That's why we love predictions, Adrian. <laughs> um, I've got a City third. City third? Good job. They like the number three. Um, United fourth, Liverpool fifth, Villa six. Tim? I, I do think Man City might, might drop off. I don't know. They showed some weaknesses last season. De Bruyne is 32 now and very injury prone. You say right. him and him and Haaland and Gundogan were the ones who really kicked them onto the title at the end of last season. Can Haaland do it again? I'm sure, I'm sure he can. But one in nine, he's got. One in his <laughs> last in awful form. But I don't know. I think Arsenal Arsenal got a huge determination and motivation to win this title this year, and I think their recruitment's been really impressive. A lot will depend on Havertz, but I think Timber and Rice are almost guaranteed to do very well if they stay injury free. Um, a lot will depend on how they cope with the Champions League, but I've, I've got them down to tip City. I think most people do. Oh, you have Arsenal. Yeah, I think, to... but I think a lot, a lot of people just want that to happen, yeah, so right. you just naturally all, sort of... Yeah, yeah. Be good for the Well, league. look, yeah. no yeah. team in the history of English football has ever won four titles in a row. It's one of the unbreakable things of English football. So it's, there's, been, there's been numerous times when teams have done three, and I'm pretty sure if there had been podcasts then in the 1920s with Huddersfield, they'd have been saying they're going to win it again, but they didn't. So I... You know, oh, and everyone was right. saying Haaland, oh, think how good he'll be in his second season, but it doesn't always work like that. You know, Mo Salah's best goal season was his first season at Liverpool, and you know, t- players do get worked yeah, out. Yeah, our predicts will get injured. You rarely hear injury predictions, but I think Haaland will, will miss a chunk of the season through. Boom! Was going to come on to injury predictions next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, who's your top four then? Uh, I think. Is this in um, reverse order? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to count down. Uh, Chelsea fourth. Chelsea fourth. I, I think. I think no, Europe will be a big factor, and they've finally got a good manager. And there's no doubt of the quality that they've got in their squad. I think he'll bring it together. I think Liverpool third, mm. and then City second, and Arsenal first. I just think. I think United will drop down. I, I just can't quite see. Rashford having the same impact in terms of goals this season and I don't think Hoyland's going to make up that shortfall so um, yeah I, th- I think United will drop down to fifth None of you have mentioned Newcastle United in your top four mm. It's a difficult one to predict isn't it Champions League will be a distraction for sure but they've, they've recruited really well 
I just think that they overperformed a lot yeah. of times last season. So, yeah, I have, I've got them seventh. I just think Champions yeah, League plus trying to equal that last season is, is going to be tough. Particularly the defensive record from last season. I'm not sure they're correct. They, they need to get their balance right, don't they? With Isak and, and Wilson, I think he doesn't. Re- he wants to play them both in the same team, but I think they're a better team when it's one or one or the other. Um, and defensively, it's just remarkable what they achieved last year. In open play, conceded fewer than anyone else. Can we see that replicate? I'm not, I'm not sure. Mm. What about who's going down then? I think she- I think everyone will say Sheffield United. Yeah, Sheffield yeah I got them bottom. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they'll be bottom. Uh, I've also got Forest. Uh-huh. Forest? Well, they don't score goals. And yeah, I think uh, Adrian's right in terms of managerial departures. And Everton. Really, not Wolves? Honestly, honestly, don't know. I don't right. know. They, don't make him say that. No, no. Do you know what? I did have them in originally, but I just, I just think they've got better squads than the teams around them, and that mm. will hopefully prevail. Not okay. necessarily under Gary O'Neill for the whole season, but I think, mm. I think they will stay up. Forest, Luton, and Sheffield United, but Luton could. I could easily swap out Luton for Wolves. I think the Wolves not will, Everton. Will struggle. They're just look. Everton always scrape out of it, don't they? So that. I've got Everton, Wolves and Sheffield United. Why so. you sitting down on Everton? Because well, the last two seasons they've escaped on the very end mm. and they haven't really brought many players in. You know, people talk about Sean Dyche's ability to keep teams up, but he took Burnley down. So I just, yeah, I mean, obviously next season they could be moving into the new stadium, which is would be bad timing if nothing else. But It's a strong narrative, isn't it, going down ahead of the... New stadium. Mm. Yeah, you can consider that being quite the story. You touched on Fulham earlier. I think Marco Silva and Mitrovic were the, were the two key reasons why they did so well last year, and they've both been very strongly linked with moves away this summer. So, will those happen? How much does that unsettle them? Can Mitrovic score those many goals again? Teams will know how to play against them better now. Yeah, I just I think they're really well coached by Silva. Silva. I just when I see them, I think they're a good team most of the times when I watch when I watch Fulham. But if they lost Silva, that would be the game changer. I think they'll find a way to cope without Mitrovic. They'll just reinvent themselves. But yeah, Silva's the key. All right. Big question marks. Big question marks, which week by week we will see answered as the Premier League story unfolds. We'll be here, of course. Listener, perhaps you'll be joining us every Monday and Thursday to chronicle all the events. This coming Tuesday, we'll also be dusting off our European edition too with... Rafa, Jules, Alvaro and uh, James Horncastle. So why not join us for that? But uh, next up for us, Monday, we'll be rounding up all the action that actually takes place, which will be nice. And producer Charlie points out this Monday we'll, uh, we should be with you extra early, kind of first thing on Monday, depending on your time zone. So look out for that. For now, though, it's many, many thanks to Tim, to Duncan, to Adrian, to producer Charlie and you at home. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you afterwards. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.